Luke chapter 15, please, today, for just a moment. We are in our missions conference, and our emphasis is getting the gospel to all the world. And uh, we'll have two missionaries tonight. One of the missionaries is speaking in our Spanish church this morning. And uh, the other, I think, probably in our children's church. And But they'll be here tonight showing their field and what have you. And all the missionaries who are with us in our missions conferences, we take them on for support, monthly support. And in 32 or three years, I don't know how long, we've never missed one single missionary's support payment and not one in all these 30 some years. And you notice during our mission conference, we do not take special love offerings to give our missionaries while they're here. If you notice that, we do not take special offerings. Each missionary that's with us, we give them $1,000 for being here for the day. We take them on for support and we pay their expenses to and from wherever they came. And uh, how do we do that? My wife and I, during the year, pick up beer cans and uh, we sell these beer cans so that we'll have enough money for our missions, uh, missionaries, right? Uh, God is good, isn't he? Just pray that he leads me to where a lot of drunks have been throwing beer cans out the windows. And, uh, but our church does that and we take care of those folks who are with us. And uh, we reconditioned and refurbished our missionary apartment Many of you don't even know we have one. And that's the reason we don't tell anybody because we don't want anybody to know we have one. <laughs> and uh, the missionary that stayed in the missionary apartment this week said it's the nicest place that he had ever been kept. And it has Pepsis in it. That's good, right? right. And, uh, of course, the Breedens, bless their heart, they have a wonderful, beautiful apartment over there and they are keeping missionaries over there. So it saves the eight or $900 uh, or maybe even more than that, the money that we've spent for, for apartments in the past. So God is good. Isn't God good? Someone said, God's been good to me lately. No, just lately God came up to our standard of what good was. But God is always good. Aren't you glad of that? Even when you say, I do, he's good. Even when you change your mind and say, I'll try, he's still good. <laughs> right? I want to talk to you today out of a familiar passage of scripture that I think maybe has been overlooked. The, the, the intent and the message of the parable We'll find it in Luke chapter 15. And I want to begin reading in verse 11. And I don't want to misapply this. But I think we're living in dangerous times. Dangerous times. As wonderful as social media is, it can be dangerous as a loaded shotgun. As wonderful as television has been 
it can be as dangerous as a vicious viper snake. As wonderful as education can be, the wrong education can rob us of our children. As wonderful as the world may seem, because the grass always looks greener on the other side of the fence, especially to our young and our teenagers. Mom and daddies, well, they're not stupid. They're just not as smart as we are. Amen. Verse 11, I read for you now. Be careful, and I want you to watch this all the way through this. And he said, a certain man had two sons. Now watch that. Two sons. And the younger of them said unto his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that befalleth to me. And he divided unto them, both sons, his living. Everything he'd made. Everything he'd saved. 401Ks, 501Bs, and 601Zs. Divided it all and gave to them. They both were sons. Nowhere in this story does either son cease to be his sons. So the message is to a family and sons. You got that? And not many days after the younger son gathered all together and took his journey into a far country. Now you could say, went to college or went to the armed forces or got a job. But now notice, he's still a son. You understand that? So the message is to you if you're a child of God. The danger of the draw of the far country. The danger of the allurement of this world. The danger of doing our own thing our way. So he went and took his journey into a far country and there wasted his substance with riotous living. By the way, while he was spending and living like hell, he was still a son. Got that? And when he had spent all, he was still a son. Broke. 
befuddled, but still a son. You got that? Now, don't get this wrong. He's sending a message to those who have been saved. Those who have become sons of God by faith. Those of who's been saved, but yet long to linger. And he wasted something. When he had spent all, there rose a mighty famine in the land, and he began to be in want. And he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country. Although he's living like hell, He's still a son. Although he's picked the wrong friends, he's still a son. Is it possible we who are sons have picked the wrong friends? And we've joined ourselves to a band that's playing music that we should not be listening to. And he sent him into the fields to feed swine. And he would faint have filled his belly with the husk of the swine that eat and no man gave to him. And this is a tremendous verse. And when he came himself he said how many hard servants of my fathers have bread enough to spare and I perish with hunger I will arise and go to my father's house still a son (laughs) amen and I will say it to my father I'm still a son. I've sinned against heaven and before thee. A son sinning. A son of God enjoying the pleasures of sin. A son that's been saved and washed in the blood of the lamb wallowing in the hog pen of the world. Still a son. Ain't God good? I said, ain't God good? (laughs) Well, let's read on. You say, preacher, hurry up. I'll arise and go to my father and say, I've sinned against heaven and before thee. I'm no more worthy to be called thy, what's the next word? Son, make me as one of the hired servants. And he arose and came to his father. That means he's still his son if he's still his father. And when he was yet a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. The father had not let a day go by that he did not stand out on the porch looking down the long, weary road looking For his son to come home. Amen. Amen. 
I like that. But the father said to his servants, bring forth the best robe. Because the clothes he got on smells like pigs. And put it on him. Put a ring on his hand, a signet, signifying that he's full grown and in his right mind and is a representative of the family. And shoes on his feet. And bring hither the fatted calf and kill it and let us eat and be merry. For this, now notice, my son, you like that? Wallowing in the hog pen of the world. And still a son. Preacher, do you believe in eternal security? I believe once saved, always saved. Once born, always born. You may not act like a child of God, but if you've been saved, you are still a child of God. And let me tell you something. You will not ever be happy in the hog pen. That's not your nature to wallow in the hog pen. Hogs live in pens. Children live with the father. Let us make merry, he said. Our father today, I thank you for this portion of scripture. Lord, I've preached on it several and sundry times. But Lord, I think today a special message for our church and for me and for all of these today in which we live. There's a message here to be found. I thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. I guess we could entitle the message anything that we would desire to. Uh, we could talk about the insanity of sinners. How crazy it is what we do. Out there in the world. I guess we could call it a wayward son. Is always a son. Let me today. Just for your learning. The folly. Of forsaking. The father's fellowship. (laughs) The folly. The foolishness. The insanity. Of looking across the fence and saying, the grass looks greener over there. Do you know what makes grass green? When you get over there stumbling around barefooted, you'll find out you probably would be better off on the other side of the fence. Think about that if you would just a minute. There's about 18 parables in the book of Luke. This has got to be the most popular one in all the Bible. I've preached from this portion of scripture from different motivations and different angles and different issues. I've preached on the prodigal's folly. And it is foolishness for a child of God to think that he'd be happy in the devil's hog bin. I mean, it's absolutely stupid. Why would any Christian want to watch the the first show that has pornography in it? 
Because one time leads to another. And pretty soon you're in a far country you can't get out of. Why would the child of God ever want to do anything to make his sanity, his body react in certain ways by drinking alcohol or drugs or what have you? Why would anybody want to do that? The folly of forsaking the father's fellowship. Or think you know better than daddy does. Has anybody here ever thought in your life your daddy was stupid? Don't raise your hand because your daddy may be here and if he is, he'd jerk a knot in your tail. There was a time when I thought my daddy was not near as smart as I was. Then I thought he wasn't as tough as I was. Then I learned He's a lot tougher than I thought he was. And laying on my back, I said, you look very smart today. I should have turned him into the welfare. I've preached this text from the father's patient love. I can see him now out on the front porch every day. Looking down the long, long, winding road. Longing to see that solo figure walking down the road. The day his son would come home. Now listen to me. Sons always come home. Sons are never happy in the hog pen. You will Come home. You listening to me? If you have the love of the Father in you, you didn't lose it when you jumped in the hog pen. A son will always come home. I've preached on the patience of the Father standing on the porch watching his wayward son comes home. Oh, what a, what a party they had when he came home. The son was wondering if the dad would even receive him or not. Before the son ever got home, daddy ran off the porch, down the road, hugged his son, kissed him and said, welcome home. If you're a son and you're wallowing the hog pen of this world, I want you to know the father waits for you to come back. He waits to you to restore the fellowship. He awaits you to repent and get out of that hog pen. You see, you can't bring your hog pen to the altar and confess being in a hog pen and get up and take your hog pen back home with you. You got to leave the hog pen at the altar. You understand what I'm talking about? I've preached this from different Angles over the many, many years that I've been preaching. But this morning, I want to share with you some provoking thoughts from the text. Just, just very simple. Note verse number 17 as we look at this. And the time is 1140. I'll be done by 1150 or thereabout. Watch this, verse 17. 
And when he came to himself. Or when he began to think right. Or when he intelligently looked at the situation. When he stopped allowing youth to regulate his thinking. When he came to himself, he had been beside himself. He had probably been watching Facebook, Spacebook, Twitter, or Torpy, or whatever was moving him. He had been listening to his emotions. His thinking was not rational. And because of that, there are stages in this young man's descent into the hog pen. You see, he didn't jump into the hog pen. We never jump into a bad situation. We always kind of ease into it you miss a Wednesday night then you miss a Sunday night and then you rationalize why I miss it and then you miss a Sunday and it don't bother you a bit we move in stages watch the first stage do you think they're listening do we need to sing a song or anything? How did this young man get from a harmonious home where the father lovingly is leading the home? How did he get from a harmonious home to the hog pen of the world? To live in out of a trash can, sleeping in a cold, empty tent. Shooting no telling what in his vein. See, he's run out of dope. Now it's paint thinner. He's run out of alcohol. Now he's sniffing glue. How do you get from the father's house? <laughs> Not any house, but the father's house who gave his son that you might be one of his sons. How do you get from here to there. Number one, he sought independence from his father. Not a bad kid. Does not say he's a bad kid when he was at home. He probably went to church with mom and daddy. Or she probably went to church with mom and daddy. 
raised in the most spiritual and safe environment in the world. It does not say he was raised with alcohol in the refrigerator. It just says he had two sons and the younger said, I want some freedom. I want independence from the father. I wonder how many Christians live with that attitude every day. God's not going to tell me what to do. I'd be as good a Christian right here at my house watching Jimmy, Gerald, and he Leroy on television. Nobody's going to tell me what to do. Boy, I'd like to told my daddy that one time. I'd never need to go to a dentist the rest of my life because my father would have got me an education real quick. Amen. And his first decision, he sought independence from his father. Verse 12, the Bible says this, what's this? And the younger said unto his father, Father, Give me. He must have been living in 2018. Give me the portion of goods that falleth to me. I didn't work for it. There's no blisters on my hands because I created that wealth. Just give me my portion. Independence. Not a bad kid. Just a kid. No wicked lifestyle. No distinct open rebellion. Probably a good kid. But in his heart, he wanted freedom. What I need is liberty. Who is God to tell me what to do? Who does God think he is? Talking to me. I'm a son. Who does God think he is? Telling me when to go to church, when not to go to church. Who does he think he is? Telling me how to live. Like I ought to live. Well, God has no right to tell me what to do and what not to do. I'm an American. I'm a Democrat, Republican, or a rhino, or whatever you are. Who does God think he is telling me I got to go to church on Sunday night? On the surface, everything cool. But in his heart, I don't want any restraints. I want out. Look how pretty the grass is on the other side of the fence. Have you ever noticed something triggers in most kids when they're about 16? You ever noticed that? Of course, I don't 
I don't know about, I hear a lot about social media. I don't know anything about it. I'm not that social. (laughs) Tell you the truth, I just don't like people. They all remind me of me. But something happens when a kid gets about 16. I noticed it when I started hunting with a lot of young men in our church. Well, they wanted to go coon up me every night till they turned 16. Then they start running trash. They started noticing skirts. I don't know what in the world it is. And then I couldn't hardly get them to go with me after 16 because they was busy being attracted to other things. Have you ever noticed something happens after you've been saved a little while and you become a child of God a little while and started free thinking? Free thinking. I'm smarter than my daddy. I know the Bible says this, but... It won't work. Now, I know the Bible talks about hog pens, but I I, I can handle hog pens. Independence. First stage. Independence from the Father. Know anybody like that? No final authority? Not even God of the Bible. I know what's going on. By the way, if we love each other, just go ahead. If you don't want the baby, kill it. Call it abortion, I think. Well, I need it, I'll take it. Independence from the Father. But still, a son. Don't look like it. Don't smell like it. But still, a son. I used to go soul winning in bars. Would you believe that? Until I found more Baptists on the bars than I did at church. So I started going so in at the church. <laughs> but still a son. What a tragedy. Independence. Notice I want to close now. Watch that. Somebody put a hole on the platform. Almost <laughs> fell into they say that's the way they're going to close my sermons. They're going to put a trap door, and when I'm done, they're going to pull a lever. And, I'm t- <laughs> and somebody said, well, the old man stumbled and fell again. But still a son. Huh? Decorating bar stools, still a son. Flirting with other men's wives, still a son. Taking dope and watching pornography, still a son. Away from the father, 
stinking light rags. But the father still loves the son. Standing out on the porch every day watching for that stinking, free-thinking, rebellious son to come home. Still a son. Aren't you glad of that? He, first stage of his fall, he wanted independence from God, from his father. Second stage, he wanted to get away from the influence of the father. The influence of home hampers him. The father's influence kind of cramped his style. And his thinking is not foreign today. If I could just get away, if I could just move out, if I could just get me an apartment, maybe a car, a motorcycle or a scooter, just anything. Dad owes me. Dad owes me. Dad's got a lot of money. Not going to hurt Dad. Be careful now. I won't ask you kids to be careful. Be careful, young lady. Before you make the decisions, are you sure you have the wherewithal to make it? Because this young man didn't. And neither would you. This world cares not for you. The devil seeking as a roaring lion, roaming about, seeking little girls and little boys and big girls and big boys whom he may devour. Still a son. Father no longer influencing him. He's independent of dad. Yes, he is. And stage three, he spent all that he had. Verse 13 and 14, he spent all that he had. Now be careful. I want you to think just a minute. We automatically think of money. He spent all of his money. But he spent more than money. He spent his virtue. He wasted it down yonder in the whorehouses and the pig pens of the world. He spent all of his virtue. He spent his purity. He spent his testimony. You're a child of God. Yeah, I'm a son. You're a son. Look at you. You stink like hogs. I'm a son. He spent his testimony. He spent his money. But he spent more than that. He spent his virtue. See, he wanted independence. He wanted out from his father's influence. And then he spent all that he had. Oh, what a terrible, terrible thing. And there is a limit. He spent his health. 
social diseases, HIV. Imagine. When he got on the other side of the fence, the grass turned brown. <laughs> Have you ever watched the grass in your life turn brown? There's hope. You're still a son. God didn't kick you out because the brown grass turned brown. Aren't you glad of that? Uh, God didn't wash you off when you got it smelling like hogs. You're still a son. Amen. And you say, well, preacher, I'm going to do what I want to do. Yeah, you will until the grass becomes brown. Uh, just do me a favor. Just, do you smell like hogs? Quit. You know. Well, who do you think you are? I'm just somebody telling you, won't you smell yourself? Smell like hog pen? Kids? Your daddy may be smarter than you think he is. Let me close. You said, man, I wish you would because I ain't liking this at all. <laughs> He'd spent it all. He'd lost it all. All was gone. His family's gone. His pleasure gone. Self-respect gone. Health gone. Reputation gone. So-called friends are gone. It all started when he wanted to be independent. Then he began to be in want. Verse 14, he spent all he had, gone as far as he could, gone wherever he wanted to, seen everything, done everything, and not happy. If you would look at this fellow's face, you know what it would say? Vacant. Nobody home. He'd spent all he had, Done all he'd done. If he wanted to do it, he did it. The world and everything, you'd think he'd be happy. But if you looked at his face and watched him just a minute, it would say, nobody's home. Vacant. The richest man in the world the wisest man in the world was Solomon. And he wrote, I hate life. He had wealth beyond imagination. 1,000 mother-in-laws. No wonder the sucker hated life. I've got a good one, but I couldn't handle 999 bad ones, 
Saved that deal, didn't it, Mom? <laughs> Wealth, pleasure, materialism to the nth degree. And Solomon said, all is vanity. I hate life. How many sons of God are living in the hog pen of this world? Huh? And wondering why you're not happy. Independence from God the Father. You can spend all you want. You'll never be happy. I'm done. And he came to himself. I looked at that verse and he came to himself. And I wrote, he must have been crazy to have left the father's house for the hog pen. I looked in the I looked in the dictionary for the definition of insanity. And it's extremely foolish. We got a bunch of crazy Baptists around here who think they can dilly-dally in the world Monday through Saturday and come to church on Sunday and act like this is real. The foolishness of forsaking the Father's fellowship. I'd just like to close with this. His actions shown his insanity. Just crazy. In the hawk bin instead of at home with the father. It's crazy. And I'd like to close with he came back home. When you get tired of the hog bin. You can always come back home. But now God ain't going to come down to Hog Bend and get you. He don't have to. Because if you are a son, you'll never be satisfied in the Hog Bend. It's just against your nature. Amen. Sheep don't like mud. Hogs love mud. You can tell if you're a son or not if you're happy in the hog bin. You're not a son.